and welcome to episode 47 of the Reconomy podcast, where we discuss economic issues that impact real estate, housing, and affordability. I am Odetta Kushi, Deputy Chief Economist at First American, and here with me is Mark Fleming, Chief Economist at First American. Hey, Mark, it's that time of year again, isn't it? Yes, the fall is here. It's September, so it must be football season. Oh, yeah. Yep. But that's not what I'm talking about. September is back to school month. And recently, there's been some buzz around student loan debt given the White House proposal. So we want to take this episode to talk about the relationship between educational attainment and homeownership and whether student loan debt is an insurmountable barrier to homeownership. Oh, it's that season. I suppose probably a topic that is more appropriate for a podcast called Reconomy than (laughs) football. We're often told that education is the key to a more secure financial future. Most people spend at least 12 years in their primary education as students, and even more if they pursue higher education. We'll get to how long it took me in a little bit. But does more education equate to increased earning potential? And if so, does the increased earning potential translate to a greater likelihood of becoming a homeowner? That's what we're going to tackle in today's episode. Exactly. Well, if education is the key to a more secure financial future, then millennials are on the right track. The millennial generation, those between the ages of 26 and 41 in 2022, yours truly is a millennial, uh, they're the largest living adult generation. Many millennials are well into their careers while others are still in school. And according to our research, millennials are the most educated generation in American history. So we analyzed some data from 2021 and found that approximately 38% of millennials have a bachelor's degree or higher compared with 32% of generation X and 15% of baby boomers when they were the same age. Millennials also earned their bachelor's degree much quicker than previous generations. By their mid-40s, 30% of baby boomers had a bachelor's degree or higher. Gen X reached that mark by their late 20s, but millennials achieved that educational milestone by their mid-20s. And since you mentioned football at the top of the episode, for those keeping score, that's millennials, my generation, one, and Gen X, Mark's generation, zero. (sighs) Adetta. In football, a score is worth seven points if you assume the extra point is good. So seven to zero, not one to zero. (laughs) (laughs) But I digress. And that, by the way, is a good SAT word. We know that education takes time and money. So is it actually paying off? Well, yeah, one of the primary objectives of education is to get a well-paying job. So we could measure success by analyzing median household incomes by educational attainment. Better yet, let's do that analysis for millennials specifically. Yes, let's. Well, the short answer is education is paying off. In 2020, millennials with a bachelor's degree had a median household income of over $100,000, while those with at least a graduate degree had a median household income of over $120,000. These levels are significantly higher than the median household income of millennials with just a high school degree or some college at about $60,000. And the income difference is even more stark when compared with millennials with no high school degree who have a median household income of $35,000, demonstrating the earning power benefit of greater educational achievement. And the differences get even bigger when one considers the fact that those differences are for one year's worth of income, but the earnings advantage accrues over the person's entire working life. That's a really good point. And then, of course, we have to talk about what this means for homeownership. 
Yeah, not just because this is Reconomy, but also because home ownership significantly accelerates household wealth creation. All that education, as we said, takes time and money. Clearly, higher educational attainment is yielding higher incomes, which justifies the money part of education. But the time matters here, too. Millennials have delayed key lifestyle decisions in favor of investing in the pursuit of education. We call that investment in their human capital, pushing marriage and family formation to their early to mid 30s. Previous generations made these lifestyle choices in their 20s. Right. Marriage and family formation are two of the most powerful motivations for homeownership. Love and marriage. Love. <laughs> uh, okay, sorry. I'm thinking Al Bundy, but I really should be thinking about homeownership here. I think so. That's the housing economist remix, I think, is first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes homeownership. So <laughs> these delayed lifestyle choices tend to also delay the desire for homeownership. But let's see if we're emblematic of our respective generations. What age did you buy your first homework? Well, for me, it was 28. And you, Odetta? I was 30, almost 31, we should probably go with them. So we're pretty predictable, I think. But you did stay in school for a while. I did stay in school. I just have to point out, it seemed like you were searching for a home since you were like 28. It was I was going to say, does that count? It does does it count, count that I've I been think. looking since 28 and finally pulled the trigger? We say this in jest, but in reality, the decision was made much earlier. Yeah, I think that's exactly that. That shows, you know, what kind of times we've been living in, right? The hot housing market and the fact that it took me so long to find something that fit my needs. Exactly. And for me, I lived in a very different time because I'm a little older and a very different housing market. It took me not nearly as long, about six months. But at the time I had been in college going on another 10 years after my, um, my graduation from high school. So you're more like a millennial in that sense. You stayed in school for quite a bit. <laughs> I wished I could have done it perpetually. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, so we know that millennials have a lower homeownership rate compared to their generational predecessors. At the age of 30, 42% of millennials owned homes compared with 48% of Gen Xers at the same age. Yet millennials have significantly narrowed this gap as they move into a new phase of their lives. At the same age of 40, the millennial homeownership rate is 60%, while Gen X stood at 63.5%. So millennials are buying later in life because they're staying in school longer. But staying in school longer has its benefits. The homeownership rate for millennials with a bachelor's degree in 2021 was approximately 9 percentage points higher than those with just a high school degree. Ooh, that's a pretty big gap. And our research finds that the importance of education to homeownership has only increased over time. The impact of educational attainment on the likelihood of homeownership has more than doubled in 20 years. In 2000, the difference in the homeownership rate between those with a high school degree and those with a college degree was nearly 4%. By uh, 2021, this gap more than doubled to 7.5%. I think it's important here to point out that this is after controlling, I'm waving my quote fingers here for the fancy statistical term, for the increased likelihood of homeownership because of higher incomes directly. All else equal, educational attainment increases the likelihood of eventual homeownership, sort of controlling for all these other factors. So millennials' pursuit of higher education is good news for the housing market because it seems that education is not only the key to greater earning power, but also independently a key to home ownership. Just a little bit later than the generational predecessors. And you see how I used a key twice there? Way to go. <laughs> Way to go. Very proud of yourself there. 
But wait a minute, more education means more student loan debt, right? That must have a negative impact on potential homeownership demand. Well, yes, but it's not that straightforward. And we talked about this a little bit way back in episode 26 when we took questions from our listeners. And by the way, you can always submit questions you'd like us to feature by emailing us at economics at firstam.com. So getting back to the question, does student loan debt prevent millennials from saving for a down payment and subsequently prohibit their ability to buy a home? Prohibit is a very strong word. It's a strong word. <laughs> we did some research using the 2019 Survey of Consumer Finances data, which is the latest year of available data, and found that, as one may expect, over the last 30 years, average student debt increased from 12600 to 40600 in inflation-adjusted dollars. More simply, over almost the last three decades, the typical amount of a student loan has more than tripled. That's a pretty big jump. Yes, but always one of those with statistics. The percentage of income dedicated to student loan debt repayment each month has, in fact, declined for the average young household. Between 2016 and 2019, the average payment to income ratio of a family with a household head between the ages of 25 and 34, sort of post-college, you've come out, you've now got your debt, you've now got a job, that declined from 7.4 to 5.6%, and the median remained unchanged. The reason? Higher incomes, longer repayment terms, and lower interest rates. In other words, while the amount of debt has increased, the monthly cost of paying it back has roughly not. Right, so the average inflation-adjusted income for young households with student debt increased from about $63,000 to $83,000 between that 1992 to 2019 period. But much like a mortgage, monthly student loan payments depend on more than just the loan amount and the income of the borrower. The average loan repayment term has increased from seven and a half years back in 1992 to 14 years most recently, keeping payment to income ratios down. Just like going from a 15-year mortgage to a 30-year mortgage, it allows you to borrow more money for a similar monthly payment. Almost doubling the student loan repayment term accommodates more student loan debt for a similar monthly payment. And then the other piece of this, because during the same time interest rates have declined, that same time period from 1992 to 2019, the average annual interest rate on a student loan has declined by two percentage points from about 8% to just below six. So longer repayment terms and lower interest rates have resulted in increased, quote, student loan buying power, end quote, if you will, and payment to income ratios that have remained steady over time. So student loan debt certainly stacks up because educational debt levels have increased over time. But student loan buying power has increased sufficiently to keep that monthly payment burden from increasing. This could be one of the reasons why student loan debt is more likely to delay rather than prevent home ownership. And we've already discussed the educational, that education does in fact pay off. Indeed it does. Well, I want to close out the episode by bringing the conversation to a timely topic. The recent plan announced to forgive $10,000 of student loan debt. Now, just a little bit of an explanation here. I won't go into detail too much, but to qualify for the $10,000 forgiveness, individual borrowers must earn less than $125,000 a year or less than $250,000 a year for couples. Again, we won't go into too much detail, but I will ask the question, could this potentially have an impact on homeownership demand? So according to the White House, about 45% of borrowers, or almost 20 million people, will have their student debt fully canceled. 
And also, 95% of borrowers, or 43 million people, would benefit from some sort of debt relief pan plan, as well as the possibly the cancellation. For potential home buyers who are on the margin, the debt relief could allow them to use that money that was going to pay the student loan debt um, to save up for a down payment faster. It may also offset some of the affordability loss from rising mortgage rates because once what once was a student loan payment can now become part of a mortgage payment. And if you do that for 43 million people having lower monthly student debt payments or no payment at all. Yeah, that could boost demand mm -hmm. in, in the housing market for sure. All right. Well, thanks for that great explanation, Mark. I think we're going to close it out at that point. So thank you for joining us on this episode of the Reconomy podcast. If you have an economics related question you'd like us to feature on a future episode, you can email us at economics.firstdam.com. We love to hear from our listeners. And as economists, you know, we love our metrics and data. So if you enjoy listening to the podcast, please make sure to give us a rating on your favorite platform. And as always, if you can't wait for the next episode, you can follow us on Twitter. It's at Odetta Kushi for me and at M Fleming Econ for Mark. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Reconomy podcast from First American. For even more economic content, visit firstdam.com slash economics. This episode is copyright 2022 by First American Financial Corporation. All rights reserved.